Hello everyone, welcome to episode 22 of Applied Faith. My name is Olajide Ulubade. Applied Faith is a weekly podcast where we explore the practical implications of our Christian faith on our everyday experiences as human beings. In other words, this is where the rubber of our believing meets the road of our everyday living. This week, we will be discussing the topic, The Vital Force. The vital force. In the Christianity of today, we see more and more people getting drawn to a systematic study of the Bible, to understanding truths, catching rema, as we say it, and they are excited by new discoveries from the Bible when they hear it or when they see it themselves through their study. While this is not necessarily bad, in fact, the Bible encourages us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. So this is a very good thing to do. However, there's something I want to touch on today, which is the fact that this alone is not sufficient. And it can, before we know it, degenerate into a mere academic study of the Bible if you do not pay attention to another part that is supposed to be an ingredient in our Christian work. In fact, a very vital one at that, which is why I have titled this discourse The Vital Force. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, in the creation of man, we see what happened. I read verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and a man became a living soul. I want to read a similar occurrence in Ezekiel chapter 37 which is a popular passage on the valley of the dry bones. So from verse 7 we read, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. 9. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus said the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon this land, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and a breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. So let me quickly touch on verse 14, because I'm going to make reference to it. And shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, and shall ye know that I the Lord have spoken it apart from thee, said the Lord. So there are two things we see from the two Bible references we have read from. It is the fact that man does not become a living being until the breath of God enters into him. In fact, the breath of God is the essence of man. That is what makes him. The body is just the form. The body can exist but it does not become a living soul without the breath. And secondly, it is the Spirit of God that makes things happen. It is the Spirit of God that energizes. The Spirit of God that causes change. We can have all our plans, we can organize, we can use our intellect to figure out things. But to have the real deal, we have to rely on the Spirit of God to cause that change. And we'll see more of this as we go on. 
So in our work with God, it is important not to just take an academic approach or an intellectual approach to life or a natural, rational mind. It is important to know that there is a spirit in man, as we read in Jude chapter 32 verse 8. There is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. And also, in our Christian work, in our Christianity, we must not only be focused on head knowledge. In fact, we can get all our doctrines right. We can say, oh, this is what to do, this is what not to do. And it will still be a lifeless religion. And I'll demonstrate this in some things we are going to read as we go on. Without the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, Christianity would be nothing more than just something like philosophy. So we must be careful that our work with God does not devolve to that level where all we are concerned about is just knowing things but rather our emphasis our focus should be on the spirit that causes the change paul warned timothy that there are a lot of people who will have the form of godliness but denying the power thereof that's second timothy chapter 3 verse 5 there will be people who will have knowledge who will know the bible who will know things but when it comes to really implementing what's in the bible they are unable they deny the power because they are not yielding to the Holy Spirit to cause the change in them and through them. They are satisfied with just a show, a form of religion. Remember, Adam was a form until the breath of God came into him. And the dry bones, they were already organized into a unit, into a form, but they were not still alive. It was a significant miracle already that they came together to become old. But until the final work was done, which is the breath coming into them, they did not become an exceeding great army. If we want to be impactful in our world, we must depend on the Holy Spirit to cause the change in us and around us. We must not only be concerned with Bible study and then relegate Bible living. Unless we become people that were spoken of in Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13 where it says, These people, they draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. In other words, all they know about God is just head knowledge. They were just taught by precept. They did not leave it out, which is only what the Spirit can achieve through submitting ourselves humbly to God and allowing Him to walk through us. It is important that we know that our walk with God must be balanced in spirit and in truth. Jesus brought perspective to this in John chapter 4. In a very interesting passage that we all know is a discussion with the Samaritan woman at the well. From verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship in. God is her spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's a lot of insight and truth to get from this thing that happened between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Firstly, we see that the Samaritan woman, despite the fact that she was adulterous, she had been with several men, and then the one she was presently living with was not even her husband. Yet, we notice something about her. She knew a lot about religion. I mean, a lot of us have probably never thought about this while studying that part of the Bible. How come a prostitute, let me just use that word, 
how come a prostitute or an adulteress was concerned with discussing religion? Why couldn't she just like discuss something else? And even from her discussion with Jesus, we saw that she knew at least some things about their religion. She was talking about worshipping in this mountain or that. And she also said for a fact that in verse 25, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah's comet, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. That was a religious persuasion. So she knew things about religion. But what do we see? She did not have the power to live it out, as evident by the kind of life she was living, until Christ came and brought the change to her life. He made her understand that worship must be done in a balance of spirit and truth. Truth being that you can only worship God acceptably through Jesus. Because Jesus is the truth. He himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So any other worship outside of Jesus Christ is not the truth. It is falsehood and any relationship with God that places less emphasis on the works of Jesus and more emphasis on our own work is also falsehood. Everything we are and can do and can be must be through who Jesus is and what he has already done for us. That is worshipping God in truth. Our worship must be within the scope of Jesus Christ, his person and his finished work. Then in spirit, this is even more important, worship in spirit. It is worship directed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus made an important statement which is the basis upon which our worship must be in spirit. He said, God is a spirit. Therefore, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is beyond the physical realm. You cannot just grasp God in concepts and box him up in dogmas and tenets and precepts and figure him out that, oh, this is what God wants. This is how we can do it. This is like a methodical approach to worshiping God or to walking with him. But beyond that, our worship must be inspired by the spirit. It is the spirit that causes the change. And this also is reflected in the engagement of our heart. It is not just head knowledge. The engagement of our heart, which also causes us to love God with the whole of our heart and our emotions. As someone has said, the Holy Spirit causes both heat and light. He gives light to us to understand. That is our knowledge and understanding and perception of God. That is truth. But He also gives us heat. It causes a burning in us, like those two disciples on the way to Emmaus said. They said, did not our heart burn within us while he opened up the scriptures to us? So it is the spirit that we open up the scriptures and make that burning to happen within us. And to even be able to worship in the real deal that is called truth, it must be directed by the spirit. In John chapter 16 verse 13, he says, I'll be hid when he, the spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into all truth. So it is the spirit of God that will guide and direct us into all truth. So it is very important that we have this vital force in us. Paul also understood this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I read from verse 1 through to verse 6. And hi, brethren, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of god how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect 
let us just stop there. And in the chapter before it, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he also made us understand how that the gospel is not preached with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. But the preaching of the gospel is the power of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse 63, the word that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So we need the spirit. Our faith should not be in the wisdom of men, not in words, not in exegesis, even though it is good. It is possible to know all of these things and still not have the power, the demonstration. So I want to challenge you as you go into this week. If your walk with God or even your approach to life has just been dry, like it's all just about what the natural man thinks or what he knows or what he understands, I want you to start calling upon God to endure you with power so that you can really know the demonstration of the power of God in your life. So that you can really see the impact of the things that you know to be true. So that you can worship God acceptably in spirit and in truth. The spirit is the vital force that will make you come alive. The spirit is what will cause the change in your situations and help you to bring forth results and fruits. I pray that the Holy Spirit will expound this more unto you in Jesus name. I trust you have been blessed. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, you can always drop me your comments on my WhatsApp number plus 2348100791939. Plus 2348100791939. I pray that the Holy Spirit Himself will animate your walk with God and even your approach to life so that your life and your walk with God will no longer be boring and dry but fruitful and alive. God bless you. Keep applying your feet.